Moving forward to a new life can be difficult when we hold emotional baggage from the past. This is the seventh message in the series, Recover, entitled, End. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Well, welcome to church. We're so glad to have you with us this weekend at Church of the Redeemer. If you're a regular, welcome back. If this is your first time with us, we're so glad to have you with us on this winter weekend. Obviously, some ice around, some things that represent the cold, but thank God He is the warm presence that works inside of us. If this is your first time, make sure you take a look online. You'll see some information about how you can let us know a little bit more about you. There's also a meet and greet at the end of today's service that we would love for you to be a part of. Well, we're going to jump right into today's message. So Go ahead and grab your Bibles if you'd like to, or the teaching sheets are there available on the chat section on your app there. Just take a look at those notes and grab them if you will, as we're continuing a series of messages that uh, I'm very excited about, have been excited about as we've shared this time together in the beginning of this brand new year, 2021. We're actually on the seventh message of an eight-part series. I plan to wrap up this series next weekend, and so I want you to be a part of that as we're wrapping things up, and hopefully you can put all these eight messages together and go back and review them from time to time and be aware of what God is speaking to us in 2021. As I was beginning the the reflection upon 2021 back in 2020, the latter part of 2020, and asking God what it was that He wanted us to share together and what was the word that He wanted to give us for a brand new year. And I felt so moved in my heart that the word for 2021, and I believe it for our future, this word is the same, and that is the word recover. God wants you to experience recovery in your life. Now, the word recovery, uh, to understand the process of recovery, you have to understand what the cause of a need for recovery might be. You and I need recovery because our lives are broken. We, we make mistakes along the journey. We forfeit some things in life. Sometimes we, by reason of our lack of diligence in our spiritual journey, we forfeit some things to our adversary. And so there are moments in life when you and I need to come to the recognition, I need some areas of recovery. I need to be restored. I need to recover. And God is the great recoverer. He's the one that knows how to pull you up and out and bring you forward to life and bring you back but not just back, to bring you back to better. And that's the subtitle of the series this new year. It's not just recovery, but God wants to bring you back, not just back to where you were. None of us want to go back to where we were. We want to go back to better. And to get this recovery process working in our lives, there are some steps that we need to take. God does a work for us, but we need to cooperate with Him. And we've been talking about the steps that are essential to experiencing this recovery, this getting back to better, recovering those things that we have forfeited to the adversary, things that we've maybe messed up along the journey, and allowing God to bring that sense of recovery to us. We've talked about the principle of repentance, the value of turning our hearts and lives back to God again. We've talked about the importance of faith, expectation, that we believe that God wants to do this work in us, we have approach Him with faith. We talked about the importance of making certain commitments in our life. I spent a whole weekend talking about that. We talked about the value of owning things, owning this journey, understanding that our life is our life. We're responsible for how we live and responsible for how we respond to God. And then last weekend, we talked about visualizing and verbalizing. That is, learning to visualize that person that we are in Jesus and who He's called us to be and what His Word means to our lives, to get a vision of what He wants to do for us, and then to begin to speak that vision with words of faith, verbalizing understanding that our words have great power. As the Scripture says, the power of life and death is in our tongue. 
Now I want to come today to a unique concept, a unique principle, a unique step in the journey of recovery. And I want to talk to you about one simple little word, a three-letter word, but the word is end. That is, what I mean by that is to recover in your life, you have to learn something about the word end, E-N-D. Think, think of that with me for a moment, an end bringing something to a conclusion. You'll never understand the pathway to recover, recovery without understanding something about endings. Endings are powerful things in your life. And I want us to look at four lessons from the Bible that teaches us about the endings that will help us to move forward to our full recovery. Do you want to recover in your life? I believe that you do. I believe the very reason that you're watching this weekend is because there's a desire in you. You would not even be watching if we're not for something in you that says, God, I want more of you and I want more of your work in my life. So how does God do this? He teaches us some things about endings. So can I share with you for the next few moments four very important things that you and I need to understand from the Bible about endings and how endings relate to recovery. First of all, we need to understand that healthy, here's the principle, healthy new beginnings always follow proper endings. I'll say that again. A healthy new beginning in your life is always going to follow a proper ending. One of the facts of life that you and I need to recognize is that you cannot really have a new beginning without some kind of ending. Actually, the principle of beginning means that something has ended. Certain things have to end for new things to begin because new and old don't mix well, especially when we're talking about our attitudes and our thoughts, our behaviors, our habits. That is, you can't embrace something new without understanding the proper resolution or ending to something that is old. Jesus himself talked about this a number of places, but very specifically in Luke chapter 5, verses 36 through 39. I want you to listen to what Jesus said about old and new, endings and beginnings. Then Jesus used this illustration. I'm reading from the Living Bible. Then Jesus used this illustration. No one tears off a piece of a new garment, notice the word new, to make a patch for an old one. Not only will the new garment be ruined, but the old garment will look worse with a new patch on it. And notice this, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Notice the, the comparison between new and old again. For the new wine bursts the old skins, ruining the skins and spilling the wine. No, new wine must be put into new wineskins, but no one after drinking the old wine seems to want the fresh and the new. The old ways are best, they say. What was Jesus talking about here? A lot of things that we could understand from Jesus' words here. He was specifically talking to the Pharisees and trying to help the Pharisees understand that his way and his way to relationship with God is very different or was very different from the way that they approached their relationship with God in terms of the law versus grace. A lot of principles he was teaching those religious leaders, but there's also value for us in what he's saying here. He's talking about embracing something new and dealing with something that is old. You can't put new wine, that word neos is the word that represents something that is brand new, into old wineskins. No, new wine, something that is brand new, something that is fresh, something that is, uh, actually has a new beginning associated with it, can't be put in that which is old. It needs to go into something that is new. And so he's describing for us dealing with something old, bringing something to an ending so you can now embrace a new beginning. 
Proper endings are always essential to new beginnings, especially when it comes to your attitudes and your thinking processes, to your way of living. Uh, when, you, when it comes to habits in your life, you have to end something old before you embrace something new. You cannot have a new life without letting go, go of your old life. You can't be a new person without giving up the old person. You can't develop new habits without stopping old habits. You can't embrace new priorities and new values without saying goodbye to the old ones. You can't get well if, you're deci- if you've decided to stay sick. Wellness is actually the end of sickness. You can't show love while you're retaining hatred. You can't be forgiven while being, you can't experience forgiveness in your life without forgiving other people. You can't forgive well without receiving forgiveness in your life. The examples could go on and on that there is an ending, a proper ending that leads us to new beginnings. There's a reality that you and I must understand and accept new beginnings are impossible without proper endings. You can't have new while holding on to the old. Healthy new beginnings require proper endings. Second principle today, the scripture teaches us that Jesus helps. He helps you begin what you need to begin and he will help you end what you need to end. Let me say that again. Jesus in your life wants to help you. He wants to help you begin what you need to begin, but he also wants to help you end what you need to end. Jesus' character and his nature are described in lots of places in the Bible. We could go actually through Old and New Testament and understand something about the nature, who Jesus is, his character, who, what he does for people. And Jesus described himself to us in the book of Revelation in a very clear way. He showed us who he was, again, amidst all the things that he revealed to us about himself. I want you to listen to what he said to John the Apostle in John chapter 1, verse 8. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And then in verse chapter 21, verse 6, he expands upon what the concept of Alpha and Omega means. He said to me, That is to John the Apostle. God said to him, Jesus said to him, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Notice that phrase again. Now he describes what that means, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Then again in chapter 22 of Revelation verse 13, 13, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, or the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. So what did Jesus mean when he says, I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. I am the first and I am the last. He's describing for us his nature and the importance for us to understand that Jesus is the author of new things in our lives and he's the helper in the endings of our life. I'm the alpha. I will help you in your new beginnings and I'm the omega. I'm the end. I will help you in your ending. So Jesus helps you begin what you need to begin and he helps you end those things that you need to end in your life. I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. But remember who Jesus is. He's the one that helps you start the new things that you need to start in your life. And he also helps you end the things that you need to end, especially we're talking about attitudes and thought processes and behaviors and attitudes and ways of living. Certain things need to come to an end for you to experience recovery or you to experience a new beginning. That leads me to my third point today. The third point is that recovery is a new 
beginning. When we talk about recovery, we're actually talking about a new beginning, getting back to better. Not just going back, but back to something better, back to a new beginning. It's what recovery is all about. And better implies that which is improved over what was before. Think about that for a moment. Better is, it's better. Better is it's improved over what it was before. See, real recovery isn't just going back, but it's going back to better. Better is new. Better is different than before. It is a new beginning. It requires closure on the old and the embracing of the new. Anytime you study the concept of moving forward, recovering in life, or restoration in life, whether you study it from a spiritual perspective or a psychological perspective, oftentimes the word will come up closure, that you and I have to have closure on things in our lives so that we can move forward in life. A lot of the reason why people are not moving forward in life is because they haven't closed out some chapters in their life. They haven't ended something well. And as long as you're holding on to something that is old that you haven't ended well, it's going to impede your capacity to move forward toward the new. So closure is just bringing to an end. It's bringing to a conclusion, bringing to a completion and a satisfying sense of finality, finishing something well so you can enter something appropriately. It's hard to move forward to a new beginning, a recovered life, when you're still carrying a lot of emotional and relational baggage in your life. If I were trying to go on a journey and travel a distance, I, I, I would certainly want to take the right appropriate things with me, but I don't want to take a lot of extra baggage. And there are a lot of people trying to traverse, go through life, and they've got all this massive amount of baggage that they're carrying with them. And so what ending relates to is closure or closing out or dealing with the baggage that you're carrying with you so that you have the energy, the capacity, the strength to move forward. It's about letting go of things that you're carrying that are sinful, that are dysfunctional, that are counterproductive to your future, counterproductive to your progress, and yes, even counterproductive to your health. It involves bringing an end to sin or to pain so you experience healing or to dysfunction so you experience health or to crippling issues so you can have resolution in your life. There's a great example of this in John chapter 5, the first nine verses. We've talked about this passage before in the series, but I want you to listen to it again because, again, we're talking about ending something, closing something out, closing some chapters in your life so you can enter into new chapters in your life. And this story gives us lots of lessons, but this is one of the lessons that you find in the story. It's about a man experiencing some closure, coming to some end, an end of some things in his thinking so he could embrace a new realm of life that Jesus was offering him. John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. Listen to what it says, reading from the NIV. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. 
One was there. Now think about this. We've been looking at the picture. There's all, this is the pool of Bethesda. There are all kind of people's li- people lying around the pool that are sick and disabled. And so now the spotlight of Scripture goes on one particular man that Jesus takes note of. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years, so for a very long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? It's a very important question. We've talked about it before, but I want to bring it back to your attention again this weekend. Do you want to get well? And notice how he responds. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now stop there with me for a moment. Jesus says to the man lying there 38 years, he's been in this condition. Jesus says, do you you want to get well right now? Would you like your life to be better? As soon as he hears this question, do you want to get well? Instead of embracing what was in the now, he turns to his past and says, well, I've tried it before. It's never worked before. I've never been able to get in. Other people seem to get in before me. And so he he goes from the present to the past. Why? Because he hasn't closed out those chapters of his life. He can't embrace what is possible and what might be new for his life because he's still living in the other part of life, what was impossible for him. So he's not able to embrace everything Jesus said. Now, Jesus steps right back into the picture after this man has given his excuse, after this man has said, no, I'm stuck in my past. Jesus steps in and says this. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. Please notice this. He picked up his mat and walked. Here's the part of the story that I want you to get. Again, so many things here. But here's the part of the story that I want you to get. The man spent 38 years on a mat. For 38 years, that's all he knew. That was his life. His life was defined by his mat. If you ask the man who he was, he said, I'm the mat man. I live on the mat. It is my, that's my home. That's my abode. That's my identity. Everywhere I go, I have to have my mat. His daily provisions were supplied by the benevolence of people who would come to him while he was on his mat. And it is possible, I don't know for sure, but I would submit this to you as a very reasonable, reasonable possibility. It is possible that this man had become comfortable or at least accepting of his situation on his mat. He had settled in to what was with no hope or no vision of what could be in his future. He identified himself with his mat. He could not close that chapter out of his life. And that's why I believe Jesus asked him the question, do you want to get well? Can you see that there's another life that is possible for you? I want you to notice how the healing came to this man. Jesus commanded him to do three things. He didn't respond to the man's uh, objections or the man's excuses. He, He asked him to do three things, and failure to do these three things would have cost him his healing. But because he did these three things, he received something fresh and something new, a new beginning or a recovery in his life. He told the man, get up, pick up, pick up your mat and walk. Notice right sandwiched in between the get up and walk is the pick up your mat. 
Move from the identity of where you've been. Put some closure on this part of your life. Get up now and take that mat that has defined you for 38 years and put a close, bring it to an end, and start walking without the, without the identity being you're the man on the mat. No, I want you to move forward with your life. Get up, pick up your mat. Don't lie on your mat any longer. Pick it up and walk. And so Jesus moved the man from his past from what was, and he helped him to come to an ending of of dealing or living on the basis of his mat, and he moved him toward present possibilities in his life. The lying down on the mat had to end before he could start walking and experiencing the recovery that he had in his life. Some things have to end. Listen, folks. Some things have to end if recovery is going to begin. You can't experience recovery in your life without some endings. It's true for all of us. No proper ending, no new beginnings. So what is your mat? What are you carrying around with you from your past that you've identified with and it's who you are in your mind and you're saying, my goodness, I'm not sure I'll ever be able to be anything beyond this and I can't seem to get closure on this part of my life. I need to get rid of this thing so I can, I can move on and I don't know how to get rid of it. Jesus is the one that helps us. As I mentioned a moment ago, he's the one that helps us end things that need to end and begin things that need to begin as he did for this man. Let me bring you you to my final point today, and this is perhaps the essence of what I want to communicate to you this weekend. Very important statement. Breakthroughs. Do you want to break through in your life? Breakthroughs follow breakups. If you want to break through in your life, you've got to break up with some things. And the story that we just looked at, John John chapter 5, the man at the pool of Bethesda had to break up with his mat. As I'm breaking up with you, I've lived on you for 38 years, but today I'm bringing this relationship to an end. I don't have a relationship with you anymore, Matt. I'm not going to live on you. It's not going to be my identity any longer. And so he's now come to that point, and the breakup with the Matt led to the breakthrough in his life. He had to break up with his mat before he had the breakup in his life. Often our breakthroughs in life are on the other side of some breakups in our life, breaking up with some things. Some old relationships must end before some new relationships must begin. And I want to bring some to you some common breakups that you need in your life. These are not on your notes, but I will really give you just a second to grab a piece of paper or, or maybe something on your app there that you can take some notes with it. I want you to write down. I'm going to give them to you very quickly. I'm going to give you a checklist of at least 15 things you need to break up with if you're going to have recoveries. That's an awful lot, Pastor. Well, yeah, but there are a lot of other things I could talk about. I'll go through these very quickly, but if you'll never move forward in life and you'll never experience a new beginning until you break up with these at least 15 things in your life. First of all, you have to break up with your regrets. You can't live in regret for forever. A regret is always looking back. I'm not saying that you should not learn from your mistakes. You absolutely should, but you don't want to live a life where you're always looking looking back and regretting how you've lived your life. Yes, you've made some mistakes. Yes, there have been some things in life you would have done differently and you would have done better. But right now, learn from them and move forward. Second of all, break up with hopelessness in your life. You're not a person that has no hope. No, no matter where you are in your life right now, there is a hope for you and a hope for your future. Thirdly, break up with shame. Get rid of it from your life. Give it no place in your life because shame really is condemnation. It's that voice of the adversary that speaks into your life and tells you how bad you are. Shame is not just about a mistake you've made. It's about the fact that it makes you feel like you are the mistake. 
And so shame comes in. It's like a dark cloud that comes in upon you. And if you're going to move forward, you need to put an end to that. You need to break up with your regrets and break up with your hopelessness and break up with your shame and then break up with your self-hatred. Dear one, I want you to know something today that God loves you and you're valued to God. You're important to God and he wants you to experience a proper appreciation of who he's made you to be. Doesn't mean that any of us should live in pride or arrogance. Absolutely not. We need to live with a sense of humility and appreciation for the grace of God that rescues us that we're absolutely unworthy of. But there should not be a place in our life for hating ourselves. Self-hatred will only bring destruction to your life. So break up with this anger that you have toward you, and then make sure you break up with resentment, whatever resentments you're carrying in life. You might be resenting God. You might be resenting the circumstances you were born into. You might be resenting a particular person that came into your life that had an impact upon your life that was negative. You might be resenting someone that hurt you in some way. I don't know what your resentments might be, but I will tell you that could be your mat. Your mat might be you're lying down on your regrets. You're lying down on your hopelessness. You're lying down on your shame. You're lying down on your self-hatred. You're lying down on your resentment. And then, if you will, break up with your bitterness. See, bitterness goes deeper than resentment. I can resent someone and yet still not necessarily maintain a bitter spirit or develop a bitter spirit, but bitterness gets down inside of you and it poisons you. It it affects the way you view the world around you, the way you view other people. You become cynical and skeptical of everybody and untrusting and bitterness just makes you a sour person. And so that might be the mat that is keeping you down. Break up with your bitterness. Break up with your hatred. Maybe you have hatred towards someone. Again, it's not just a, a, a modest level of resentment. No, you actually hate that person. And that hatred has become the mat that is keeping you in a sick place in your life. Break up with your self-pity. Yes, break up with your self-pity. How many times do we have these moments where we we call a party and we have this pity party and we call me, myself, and I, we all get around together, the three of us, me, myself, and I, and we talk about how miserable our lives are and that we we infest ourselves with and and envenomate ourselves with all this pity that we carry inside of us and it's a mat, it causes us to continue to lie in our sickness and pain, we need to break up with that, it needs to come to an end. Number nine, break up with your rejection. Yes, you've been rejected, so have I. We all have been. There's not a single person who's not experienced some level of rejection in life. And so rejection is something that's a part of life. As long as you live, somebody is going to reject you. As long as you live, somebody is not going to like you. They're not going to approve of you. They're not going to necessarily give you the accolades or the affirmations that you're longing for in life. Just come to the recognition that rejections are a part of life and don't let rejection define you. Just because somebody rejected you doesn't make you worthless, doesn't make you of no value. No, God has accepted you. You're a part of his family if you know Jesus as Lord of your life. Break up with rejection. Break up with fear. Don't let it control your life. Declare that fear is not going to be Lord over you. Break up with worry and anxiety and break up with laziness. Yes, I said it, laziness. You know, sometimes you're mad it's just being lazy. Say, I don't want to put much energy in. So because you don't put much in, you get very little out of life. And so at some point in time, we have to say, I'm going to be the disciplined person that I need to be. I need to break up with laziness. I need to break up. Are you ready for another one? Procrastination. 
Well, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll get better tomorrow. I'll deal with this another day. And you kind of keep pushing it off till, till manana, that someday your manana will come, your day will come when you'll deal with the issues in your life. No, break up with that mat. Don't let it be the way your life is defined. Bring it to an end and break up with your stubbornness and your negativity. Come to a place where you write a Dear John letter to all these things in your life and say, I'm bringing this relationship, my relationship with regret and hopelessness and shame and self-hatred and resentment and bitterness and hatred and self-pity and rejection and fear and worry and laziness and procrastination and stubbornness and negativity. No, I'm breaking up with all this stuff. It's not going to be who I am with my life. That's my mat. I'm going to pick up my mat. I'm going to start walking. You break up. Listen, when you break up with these things, I promise you, that's when your breakthroughs come. I will tell you that you've got to end your relationship with the mats you've been living on and get up and walk. Get up and walk and say, I'm going to walk forward with my life. I'm not going to let these things define who I am. And to remember that healthy, healthy new beginnings always follow proper endings. Jesus is the one that helps you begin what you need to begin, helps you end what you need to end. And recovery is a new beginning. When you begin to pursue recovery, it's back to better. It's back to something that is new. And remember that all your breakthroughs require some breakup in your life. Are you ready? Are you ready to break up with things that are holding back your recovery? Are you ready to bring some things to an end? I promise you, recovery is on the other side of good endings. Would you bow yourself, your, your, your heart together with me in prayer as we pray right, right now? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we've had this weekend to, to gather around your word. We're thankful that you've spoken to us. We thank you, Jesus, that you're the one that helps us. Or so many times we need to come to that place of ending something in our life, breaking up with some of these things we've just talked about. But Lord, we don't have the power ourselves, but we thank you that you provide us the power just as you did for that man at the pool of Bethesda. You helped him to make the choice to move forward, to get up from his mat and to begin to walk. Lord, you help us end those things that we need to end, and you help us to begin those things that we need to begin, and that's where recovery happens. It's on the, on the other side of that, that, that breakup. So, Lord, help us to make choices of ending things that need to be ended and beginning things that we need to begin through the grace and power of your Holy Spirit. For that, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus... I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.